Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. It's not healthy to remain in seasons of prolonged and morbid doubt, but it isn't a good thing to simply push away every thought of doubt and unbelief either. God is not offended by hard questions, and He is capable of answering those dark concerns you too often avoid by giving easy answers. Ask the hard stuff, but ask Him. He has the answers to them, and His answers will amaze you. You'll not begin to appreciate the impact that the resurrection had on those disciples when the Lord Jesus came without going through the door came into the room and cried out to them saying peace be with you you'll not begin to understand what it meant to them with their very own eyes to witness the resurrection and the resurrected Jesus unless you take into account that with those same eyes they had witnessed Christ Jesus crucifixion and death only a few days prior The history of the human race will reveal that in every place and among all people there is a dream of living forever. It can be traced in every society, it can be found out in every tradition and every custom and every religious bent. The history of the human race will reveal that this is the dream of eternal life that never entirely dissipates or stops in the human heart until the day that that human heart stops beating. If history proves anything, it proves that everyone at some point in time in their life has sensed the echo and the calling of living forever. There are desires and longings within them for more that are not simply capable of being met in the hours in which they live. And these things drive them on to hope and long for and dream for an unfolding, unending day in which that more might be answered and fulfilled. And the other thing that history will show us is that although they have a dream of living forever, everyone dies in short order. We spend our days curating the first thought and pushing back the second reality out of our minds as best we can. But on Good Friday, on this past Friday, these disciples were forced to confront the reality of death in a way that few of us can ever imagine. And few of us have ever considered. Christian apologist William Lane Craig in his book Reasonable Faith points out that though human beings consider their own deaths, they almost always do so and only do so from the perspective of an onlooker. Should we consider our death, we let our imaginations take us out from our bodies and we think about it from the standpoint of distance. We become onlookers at the imagined scene or day or moment of our death. We consider the death as the death of another person, though the other person we're looking at is actually ourselves in our imagination. And I think this is natural. It's a way of protecting ourselves from something that goes violently against our own yearning to live and to live forever. But on the day of Christ's crucifixion, the disciples were forced to confront death for they saw it come down upon the one person they knew who seemed to exude and advertise, you might say, the eternal life that they had always dreamed of. They had for at least three years been exposed to the evidence of Christ's life. 
And what they saw was continually pointing to them and reaffirming them in their hope of eternity. And just for a moment, just consider some of the things that they would have experienced as they witnessed the life of Christ that was thrusting them into this dream of living forever. First, just consider the manner in which Christ taught. For the Lord Jesus, when he taught, didn't draw upon the expertise of the man who had just gone before him. He didn't provide teaching that was just somehow a follow-up or an affirmation of whatever the current faddish wisdom was of the day in which he lived. When the Lord Jesus taught, he taught as if he was speaking of and he was establishing or declaring before individuals eternal, endless truths anchored in the absolute of eternity. And at the same time, when he taught it, he didn't draw upon something in the past. He drew upon himself. He said, others have told you this and others have told you that, but I say. And so he was delivering a message to them as if he was drawing out of eternity past and projecting them into eternity future. And he was standing upon all those truths and declaring all those truths from the standpoint of his own final absolute authority. And it seemed to confirm in their minds that here is one who speaks for all eternity and speaks into eternity. One of the devices that the Lord Jesus used in teaching was to say verily, verily, truthfully, truthfully. And then he would pronounce his statement. Here are just a few of them that they would have received that confirmed this, this suspicion that was growing up within them by the very manner in which Christ taught. He said, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear, for verily, verily, or truthfully I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verily, verily, truthfully, I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, but that he shall receive a hundredfold now and this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. The authority of Christ and the way that he taught seemed to underscore a confirming note that this human dream they had was a true dream, this dream of eternal life. But it was not only his teaching and the manner of his teaching, but it was his miracles, his healing miracles. Every miracle that the Lord Jesus performed was a repeal pushing back the ongoing decay of death. Christ, with grace and with power, pushed away the shadow of death that was hovering around the earth and those who came to him as he worked his healing touch on those who drew near to him. And for three years, the disciples lived in the sunlight of this eternal expression or the expression of eternity in the ongoing acts of the regenerative power of Jesus Christ, performing miracle after miracle after miracle. Every time there was the healing of a blind man or the healing of a deaf man or the restoring of a withered lamb to full-blooded usefulness, they witnessed it all and it was as if Christ was demonstrating and showing forth His power to push back all men and to push back death and to bring all men into eternal life. They had constantly gathered around them the sounds of the praises of people, their tears and weepings of joy their cries of glad satisfaction that echoed around them. They saw them as they leapt to their feet and bounded from their presence to tell others of what Christ had done to them. And all this 
this expression of energy and power just reinforced their dream of life, forever life that was rising and could rise from the life of Jesus Christ. Their dream was right, they thought. Their dream was true and it was answered in Him. Christ's words were encouraging this hope and this dream and His acts were backing up His words with accompanying signs. He said other things that were more direct than this. He said to them, Whosoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Over the grave of Lazarus, the Lord Jesus spoke and proclaimed, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then, to underscore his words, he called forth Lazarus from the grave and brought him back to life. Jesus was undoubtedly pouring into them the hope that this dream of all men was a sure and fixed hope in him. Not only were there his words and his teaching, and not only were there these great miracles confirming his words and giving hope of everlasting and eternal life, but beyond these words and the miracles, there was the undeniable righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. All of us, although we have this dream of endless life, all of us find ourselves being pushed back down into the mire and the muck of our own personal failings. All of us know the weakness of our flesh. All of us have our consciences condemning us. All of us feel the shame of our lack of righteousness. All of us, because of these things, note the shadow of judgment that passes over us and causes us to fear. Our sins bring upon us, you might say, the scent of death. But Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He was righteous in every way. You might have been, as a young child, an individual who, all young child do this, they dream of being good people. I don't know that there's a single child who has a dream of being a bad boy or a bad girl. We dream of being good. We dream of doing great things. We dream of doing heroic things. We sketch out the life before us and we have aspirations of being individuals who are a benevolence, who are provide a goodness to our families and our homes and our surroundings and we never get there. The dream that we have gets further and further separated from us as the years go by. But Jesus was everything, everything we've ever dreamt of being. Not in myth, but in reality. They watched it and they witnessed it with their own eyes and he did not have even the scent of death upon him. No one ever lived witnessing such a consistent display of life, prevailing life, exuding, vibrant, eternal impulses of life as those disciples who walked with Jesus did. Jesus' life affirmed to them that the universal dream of eternal life that all men experience was right. It was right for them to have it. And then... In a few horrific hours, that dream slammed shut in their faces. The earth around them was shrouded into the bleak 
darkness of death and death in a moment swallowed up the one most brilliant portrait of life that they had ever seen or could ever imagine having seen and Jesus was dead. Can you believe at that moment that they only fretted at Christ's death and not their own? Can you think at that moment that they only thought of his transpiring and not thought that their dream itself had transpired? That all their hopes had gone down? And this is where you find them in the upper room. And this is where you find their condition. They've confronted not only Christ's death, but in this one who was such a vibrant expression of life, one who was feeding their dreams of eternal life, they confronted their own deaths. In fear they're hiding away, and it's there that the Lord Jesus appears and makes himself known to them. The passage that we read in Luke is such a wonderful passage. It's, it's almost understated, but if you allow your imagination, you can see the scene. The Lord Jesus comes among them, and the first thing he does is just give a greeting to them. Peace be with you. They're afraid. They're stunned. They think maybe they're seeing a ghost. Gentlemen, boys, you're not seeing a ghost. It's really who you think it is. Come and see. Look at my wounds. He says, look at my hands and my feet. What's he calling to? Look at the wounds in my hand. Look at the wounds in my feet. Come touch me and see that I'm not a ghost. I'm real. I have flesh and bone. And So dark have been their doubts, but the questions and doubts set up a moment of brilliant, unforgettable discovery, which we'll consider more in our next broadcast. This has been the Bread of Life, a program of the International Missions Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our work abroad, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn about our associate fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.